3: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel, and hope everybody out there staying warm. Be sure to tell us where you're checking in from. We love to see that. Now, guys, let's jump right into it. It's lots of recruiting stuff going on. Coaches hopefully getting on the road today if, they're, if the roads are good. What? Any idea where they might be going, who they might be going to see, that type of deal?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, Steve Sarkeesian is slated to go see to be in Jasper, but there's a tight end out there. Obviously, Ty Anthony Smith was out there. Oh boy, these, these, the, we, hey, Fresno, you got to give us your, your, uh, your degrees, by the way. This is not, this is not fair right now, guys. Um, uh, I was going to say this. Uh, so Steve Sarkeesian expected to be at Jasper where they have a tight end. Giatty Armstrong, uh, but he's expected to be there. Is he gonna make it there today? Well, I think it's a fair question. I've seen nothing but wrecks on I-10. So how you know what I mean? The, the the sliding cars. And so I don't know if the coaches in the state of Texas are gonna be out and about. I will say this: Johnny Nansen, the linebackers coach, the new linebackers coach at Texas, will be in Southern California. The weather there is a little bit different these days. guys. <laughs> uh, so uh, be aware of that. I think he and uh, Chris Jackson both expected to be out there today uh, recruiting. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see where all of this goes. We're still waiting on a number of different things Happens Also, uh, from a coaching perspective, uh, yesterday, Paul Crist, the off-field analyst for the University of Texas, the former Wisconsin head coach, was expected to be the next offensive coordinator at Iowa. But Paul Christ and Kirk Ferentz could not come to terms. And so Paul Christ is returning. This is according to footballscoop.com, is returning to Texas. I mean, I I've got to be honest with you. If there are two better off-field analysts for anybody in the country than Paul Christ, uh, the former Wisconsin head coach and offensive coordinator, uh, DeJure, and then also Dwayne Aquina, I don't know who what it is. Uh, it's a it's a strong, strong group. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of portal news too, Blake.
3: Yes, no doubt about it. Hey, one thing that I, I, you know, I was reading that Football Scoop article. I did not realize that Chris had such a good relationship with Arch Manning. I thought that was very interesting, a point that they brought up in that article.
2: I I think it's great. I mean, this is what the depth. I mean, A.J. Milwee had great relationships with Mac Jones. A.J. Milwee was not even on staff at Alabama. Okay, he he wasn't on the field. He was a, he was Sark's quarterback coach. Sub quarterback coach, right? And so he was talking to all the quarterbacks, whether it's Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts, etc. Now he comes to Texas and Milwee is on the field, and yet they still have someone like Paul Christ who has a ton, I mean, 30 or 40 years of coaching experience at that position. Steve Sarkeesian's got it set up right. I mean, yeah. not, I'm not saying and, and, and CJ, this is the point here. It's never going to be perfect, right? But He just has it set up really, really well. Like right now, we're worried about the defensive line coach. We're trying to figure out who that's going to be, et cetera. But he's proven capable of finding people that matter and replacing them. And so I I feel really comfortable about where Texas is right now. And that that comment, Blake, to your point,
3: is indicative of uh, a coaching staff that kind of has things going the right direction. No doubt about it, Bobby. Well, you talked about the portal. You brought that up. What's the latest there? Obviously, I know Texas hosted a couple of uh, prospects over the weekend, and then possibly, you know, Nye Black out of Alabama kind of waiting on him. But what's the latest?
0: Yeah, uh, Amar Nye Black out of Alabama. Someone that we're still officially waiting portal paperwork for to get into the portal. Uh, He announces intentions, desires to enter the portal. Kind of start looking around. Is there, uh, as well there? Though still waiting official word on whether or not he is in or not in the portal. I think Texas will have interest there. Uh, also at the tight end position, Ben Urosetch out of Stanford is you know about to take some visits to Texas and Georgia this weekend. Uh, he's looking like Texas might split the two uh, of of Urasech and Nyblak with Georgia. That's something that is worth monitoring there with both uh, teams looking to add a portal tight end in that position. And then, obviously, Jabbar Muhammad is set to visit Texas for a midweek on Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow, the, the Washington All-Pac 12 cornerback down to Texas and Oregon unofficially, but that's where we think things are heading right now. And then, obviously, Texas hosted uh, Silas Bolden, uh, the 5'8", 5'9", wide receiver out of Oregon State for a visit this past weekend, as well as former Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshire as well. Uh, worth monitoring both of those
2: very closely at the moment as well. It's it's going to be interesting. All these names that we're putting out there, CJ, uh, they're bumping the 85 limit for sure. Um, There's no doubt about that. And some people are noticing it, uh, including uh, ardent fans that are in the chat, et cetera, cetera, elsewhere. You're right. Uh, You're 100% right. They are bumping it. That means there's going to be natural attrition. Uh, So we'll see what it means. Uh, Andrew, why? Let's talk about this because the Stanford tight end is different than Nye Black. The Stanford tight end is more a, a more traditional inline tight end. Now he has great receiving skills. Do not get me wrong, but he would be he and Gunner Helm would be very prototypical old school tight ends. He's a little bit better receiver um, than than normal. Uh, but I will add this: uh, the, the the thought process uh, of not only uh, Texas going after both of those guys, but getting one of them is very important to this class. Uh, they need another tight end that's ready to go in the SEC. You can't go in with just one uh in Gunner Helm right now. Obviously, we want to see where Spencer Shannon, Will Randall, Juan Davis even end up this spring, uh, you know, in the in that from that standpoint, but they've got to get one of these tight ends. They they absolutely need to. Nine black is interesting because as you mentioned, he he said two days ago he was going in the portal. His name is yet to officially appear in the portal. The school has 48 hours to put his name in the portal prior to him. Uh, I, so basically he could say it and fill out the paperwork and it'd be 48 hours later. Let's see exactly if he goes in 100%. That is the thought process right now, though.
3: Okay, guys. Well, uh, there was one other one. Juan Davis. This keeps coming up. But David Rawls says, did Juan Davis portal?
0: He announced uh, intentions too and then withdrew. He uh, is not in the portal. He is back with the roster, with the team preparing for winter workouts coming up this week. But, no, he is not in the portal at the moment.
3: And then another uh, name that we get asked often about here the last couple of days anyway, Caleb Downs. And Dan, Don McWilliams says, Downs is supposed to be going into the portal. Is there any any interest? Would he come to Texas if Texas did have interest in him? Well, Texas would
2: certainly have interest in the national freshman of the year. Let's, uh, let's, let's. Um, the, the question is whether or not he would have uh, interest in Texas, uh, whether he would reciprocate that. He is uh, a Southern guy. I think it's going to be, if he leaves, I think it's going to be Georgia or Ohio State. That's, that's what the early tea leaves say. So I think Texas uh, more focused on
3: Nye Black uh, in that group. Okay, and then Junior Day—that's the other big thing coming up here in what four days. So lots and lots and lots of names on that list. A lot of elite of talent. Uh, anybody new added to there, at CJ? That you found out? You know, maybe that's a uh, somebody that would make headlines. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: We, we found out last night Coyote Armstrong out of Jasper will be added to this Texas uh, visit day as well. That is where Steve Sarkeesian is this morning, checking out the Jasper talent as well as getting uh, some FaceTime with Coyote Armstrong down there. It's it's a really impressive group. You know, I think I'm closing in on close to about 70 names right now. Another one that is worth mentioning is Michael uh, Terry II out of Alamo Heights down in San Antonio. A 6'2 playmaker, true athlete, I think – uh, he plays quarterback down there in San Antonio, but most guys pin him as a, a wide receiver at the next level. He's a really special talent uh, and one that will be making a return to campus following a trip last summer as well. Texas has yet to offer, but the the tape doesn't lie, and he's one that will be worth monitoring very closely this weekend whenever he's on campus. A
2: couple other ones uh, uh, that I wanted to mention. J- Jordan Davison, the running back out of modern day, is expected in. Uh, also expected in, uh, Jonte Newman. Uh, just a list. I, the offensive line look, list looks terrific, but there's one exception. Michael Fasusi is apparently going to Missouri instead of Texas on January 20th. Uh, he is he is one of the top offensive linemen on the board for the Longhorns. That was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't it, CJ? Yeah, it was. And it, it it's not,
0: you know, to the point yet of concern. He's been to Texas pretty often over the last six, seven, eight months. Uh, but it is one of those things where you'd obviously liked him who have been on campus with the big junior day festivities going on rather than Missouri. So not yet something to
2: to, to worry about, but it is worth, you know, monitoring at the moment. I I would also add Dylan Battle not expected to go uh, to the January 20th junior day. That's a big defensive lineman. Some of the defensive linemen taking a pause right now, including Deontre Robinson uh, as the Longhorns are preparing to offer uh, and hire a defensive line coach. That kind of makes sense. Uh, But we'll see if they get him back in uh, later in the year. uh, Battle, one of those guys that is expected to be uh, at the top of just about everybody's board uh, as well. So all of these names, uh, CJ and and Blake, we're going to try to go over and give you a running list. Like basically, we're going to take CJ's spreadsheet and show it to you guys in the recruiting breakdown later today. So you guys will be able to follow along with all these names we're hearing. Uh, We'll have not only their positions, but also uh, their high schools and where they go to, et cetera.
3: And there are a lot of them. But, sorry, I didn't mean to bring that question up. I got a couple of junior day questions here. E. Kim says over under two and a half commits from the junior day. We were kind of talking about this before we went on. CJ, I'm going to let you start.
0: I, I'm going to take the under just in the sense that it's it's very early in the cycle still. It's still one of those... Uh, parts of the year in which the recruits and the staffs are still getting to know one another. They still want to evaluate one another. They still want to get, you know, proper hand size, height, weight, everything along the lines of that in terms of just knowing how well that they will stack up on the big board for the recruiting process. History also tells us that Texas doesn't like loading up very early, at least not this early in their uh, recruiting class so uh, we've seen a lot of interest in movement and prior classes start to come in and start rolling around uh, the June official visits that's really when I would expect again for this class to start getting going but they're early uh, with they have four commits in the class already so far this year and that's you know what I would say is very early they'll have the opportunity to add people it will be up to them to whether or not they want uh,
2: to, to take these verbal commitments this early on that's the key for me like, does he push? Does Steve Sarkeesian push for some commitments on, on Saturday or on Friday even? Some guys probably coming in early, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If he if he pushes E Kim, I would go with the over. If he doesn't, which I don't think it that, that just doesn't sound like Steve Sarkeesian to me, if that makes sense. He he doesn't um he doesn't push. Uh, he's he's a lot more patient, I think than most coaches when it comes to recruiting uh, and it's proven out his, I mean, his, the way he does it is proven out. So I think that we, as, as fans have to uh, put that in, in, in the, uh, you know, the underneath the hat and smoke it kind of like, what is he really going to do? Maybe he already knows the offensive lineman he wants. And so they, they they run on offensive linemen CJ, or maybe he knows a couple of the wide receivers he wants, et cetera. It could be posi- position specific, or you could say, I want to see all these guys play as seniors. Or I want to yeah. see these guys really work out with their teams in uh, in, in the spring camp in 2 days Or excuse me, not 2 days but uh, in spring training. Because, look, there's no need, I don't think, to be hyper-aggressive uh, with all of this. There's plenty of time in Texas, unlike in years past where Texas, I thought, maybe had to be a little bit more aggressive. Texas is playing with a stacked deck right now. So it's a little bit different for me.
3: <laughs> William Neese posted this, and I was actually about to say this. He said Mac would push and get 12 commits. I was going to say, Bobby, the day of seeing 10 to 12 commits at junior day, I think, are long gone.
2: I, I think so. I mean, look, they could do it. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian could could turn around and change his entire MO. Um, I just don't see it unless there are specific positions that they're 100% sure on. Like I said, they have. They're playing with some leverage right now. I'm not saying these kids should feel leveraged. I just think there's more guys that are quality players that want to look at Texas than perhaps Steve Sarkeesian's ever enjoyed as head coach at Texas, right? And so the numbers game becomes more uh, advantageous for the University of Texas in Sark. That's where I don't know what it means. Uh, You know, we haven't been through this in all, right? I mean, in Steve Sarkeesian's tenure, have we been through this? where they're holding the cards going into a junior day this early? No, because yeah. guess what? Jimbo Fisher had done a great job of, you know, getting recruits on campus earlier at AM than at Texas he had a several-year jump on uh, on uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I think that there's a, a little give and take here that we we got to admit we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. We have an idea of how it will play out. I certainly don't see 12 commits. I mean, that that would be almost unheard of. Yeah.
1: Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery.
0: Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.
2: Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
0: And a
3: few other be a busy week. week
0: for us. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> busy
3: week. A few other junior day question, guys, that we're going to get to. Kabir Hussain says, is Marcus Harris supposed to be at junior day?
0: I know that he was uh, he was. Rumored to have made the trip in. I'm not sure if he's actually committed to to coming in all the way. I don't have him on my list right now, though I have seen his name uh, rumored to potentially come in. Right now, I'm not expecting him to come in, however. Uh, He's not someone that I have confirmed on our list here. So uh, we'll see if he makes a surprise visit by chance, but right now I'm not expecting him in.
3: And then one other uh, player-specific question, David Rawls, is what about Christian Jackson?
0: I do have Christian Jackson in the, the interior offensive lineman out of Port Neches Grove. Uh, I've got him in. Uh, he's on the list. Like you said, Bobby, that offensive line list is, is stacked. Uh, there's a lot of big time names in the inside the state coming in. Uh, it, it should be exciting for Kyle flood and his group, because that's a lot of big boys
2: coming in a lot of big humans. And he's on that list. I, I want to say this. It's, it's uh, Jackson Christian, not Christian Jackson. Uh, by the way, his name. Right. Marcus Harris is expected to be at Tennessee uh, on uh, the 20th. His teammate, uh, Jordan Davis, ex- Davison, is expected to be at Texas. That, If anybody's wondering whether those guys are a package deal, they're clearly not, but there is some talk about them playing together. Harris, a five-star wide receiver. Davison, a four- or five-star running back. to sharp choice is kind of hand-picked right now as one of the top guys in the country.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Okay, guys, we got one other uh, question related to Junior Day here, and it's from Cinco de Mayo. And he says, is there ever a concern that you could have too many Junior Day attendees? Do they run the risk of not spending enough time and paying enough attention with some of these guys?
0: You know, I I, I was kind of juggling that idea because we're at, you know, 70 guys on our list. That's probably not including 25 guys, 30 guys that we haven't yet seen, you know, commit to the Junior Day. So it's going to be a busy week and it's going to be up to the staff to devote, you know, specific time to each commit and, or each prospect to ensure that they're feeling, you know, like their time is well spent on campus. This is not something that I've necessarily heard as a problem with the current staff. I don't think that they've had a, a junior date as big as this, obviously, but they've been very good at finding time to spend with each prospect when they are on campus, more so than previous staffs, at least, that I've been aware of. It, it'll be a interesting juggle and exercise to see just how well they do it. This is a lot of names coming in, but right now I feel confident that they will be able to, you know, be able to uh, get enough face time with one another, uh, prospects, families, whatever it may be, to ensure that everybody's, you know, feeling the love from the Texas staff. I,
2: I agree with CJ on this. Uh, there have been times when Texas had 50, 60 guys in, and I felt like it was, I don't want to say not run well, but it was kind of mishmash. Uh, maybe some guys fell through the cracks. I think I think this uh, off-field group that works with Sark has a little bit better control, a little tighter control, uh, maybe on what's going on. Uh, and they have more guys than they've ever had before, too, to help. Um, yeah. You know, I could give you a shout out to four or five of them right now that that uh, deserve some credit behind the scenes. But uh, my take on it is that uh, Texas will likely have some guys come in Friday night, just a handful, right? That'll give them a, a, you know, there's maybe 25 to 30 of these guys that are no brainers that Texas wants. The issue will be okay, how do we manage this out to where some stay overnight on Saturday night and meet with us on Sunday individually, that sort of stuff. Uh, Sark uh, has done that well and his staff has done that well. I, I really am impressed by two people at this point, uh, among others, Billy Glasscock, the director of player personnel for Texas, and Brandon Harris, who's kind of Sark's right hand man, uh, when it comes to recruiting, uh, top level players, those guys have done well. Other ones like John Michael Jones behind the scenes, uh, tremendous job. Bobby Merritt, uh, the you know, he he, man- he manages the portal. They've got a lot of guys, uh, that have their hands in this to try to dot every I and cross every T. And I didn't always feel that way at the University of Texas. Not when I mean, I'll, you know, I, I feel like there are times when, you know, it felt a little haphazard uh, is what I'll say.
3: Uh, We're going to move on from the junior day talk for now. And we're going to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, Bob, because we're getting a lot of questions regarding Nansen. And we've had a lot of people join since we've talked about that. So I'm going to just lump a bunch of these questions in together. Uh, Phil McIntosh says, any chance Nansen goes back to Arizona as the head coach? And then we'll also follow that up from Chris Barr Is Nansen to Arizona defensive coordinator real or just wish casting from Arizona mods?
2: I think that that's just wish casting. Uh, He's not going to return. He was the defensive coordinator, Arizona. Um, I don't think he's going to return for the same job, uh, Chris. So uh, I think that is wish casting. They could up his pay and it's still, I don't think it would matter. Uh, Brent Brennan. uh, Phil has been offered the job at Arizona, according to uh, multiple reports. Brennan is the head coach currently. At San Jose State, one would think he's going to take the Arizona job after being at San Jose State. (laughs) Um, And so given that, I don't see Nansen going back to Arizona strictly as the defensive coordinator. Uh, We'll see exactly what happens. Uh, But Brennan may not want him back either. Let's, uh, you know, the head coaches don't go in and say you have to hire this defensive coordinator or this offensive coordinator. Uh, Yeah, they have a plan. Uh, but it's not one that that uh, is, is dictated to them very often. Well, otherwise, Brent Brennan will just say no. And he'll wait for Cal to come open or another school.
3: Okay, we have a super chat here from Texas Beats. He says, is Michigan really after Brian Kelly? What's Jim Harbaugh going
2: to do? I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard for me to sit here and say that, 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 uh they're really after him. I think that he would be a, a candidate, as would Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator for Michigan. I think those are probably 1A and 1B, and I don't know which order uh, Michigan would go in. I would say this. Uh, Harbaugh's uh, brush with the law probably makes them want a little bit more of Sharon Moore than Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly plays it a little more loose. Now, of course, Harbaugh's brush with the law also resulted in a national championship. That they're all celebrating now, too. So uh, it may be a Michigan. Be careful what you wish for there. I don't, I don't know. I, I do think that Kelly would be interested in that job. He's He spent a lot of his coaching career in the Midwest. Uh, but,
3: you know, we'll see. Then we have another super chat, this one from Kevin Jones, and he wants to talk about Texas. He says, loading up on defensive backs and wide receivers. Does it mean that Sark intends to rotate them in and out of the game or make them compete for first, second, and third string positions?
0: Well, it's not something we've seen a whole lot of on the offensive side of the ball. We see rotations happen pretty often with the defensive backs at safety. Uh, Cornerbacks, they do it very often on that side of the ball in comparison to what Sarkisian does uh, it's going to be, you know, how well, how quickly these new wide receivers can get acclimated to the Texas offense. Uh, how, well, you know, how quickly Sarkeesian can bring them into the circle of trust that we continue to bring up on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, I don't think we'll necessarily see a large rotation again in 2024 in terms of uh, number of wide receivers. Sarkisian likes to find the guys that he can trust, put on the field, and know that they will produce and develop. Uh, more so than tossing out someone who might have some question marks or a lack of experience on the field of. So I would expect to see a similar rotation, a similar style of play on the defensive side of the ball with the with the defensive backs, especially if Texas is able to add Jabbar Muhammad. Uh, the talent drop-off should not be near as, as large as what we saw from 2023 in terms of rotations and who is on the field in that aspect. On the offensive side of the ball, I think Sarkeesian's going to find his three or four I don't want to say five, but those three or four guys that he thinks, you know, can play the entire game and go out and run them uh, the entire duration of the game.
2: I, I think we'll see as much rotation on the in the secondary as we did last year, um, if not more. Uh, and because I think Makuba can play safety or nickel, I think Barron's going to try to play some corner. Um, you know, Ryan Watts was injured a lot last year, too, so – I feel like his his leaving will open up some corner spots. Uh, we may see more Gavin Holmes even, right, uh, at corner. The things that I would I, I would get at is this, okay? So, uh, you know, on offense, it's just a little bit different. If you have a Lamborghini and his name is Xavier Worthy, why are you going to go – I mean, I love Jonte Cook, but Jonte Cook as a true freshman is not Xavier Worthy as a junior, right? Uh, Casey Kane is not Adonai Mitchell. Why would you necessarily substitute him? You don't substitute the offensive line that way. I mean, why would you do that at receiver? I think some people are used to it because of uh, what Tom Herman did or what Mack Brown did, et cetera. But to be honest, when Quan Cosby and Jordan Shipley were your receivers and Brandon Collins was your third, those guys didn't come off the field very often. I mean – if you have guys, you have guys. And Texas, I think this year felt like they had guys with Mitchell, Worthy, uh, and Whittington. The year before, Sark substituted more. He didn't have any guys other than Worthy, in his opinion, and Whittington was often injured. So I I think that Sark gets a little bit of a bad rap on that because I think that this particular year, the difference was so uh, distinct, right? Right. I mean, Worthy, definitively better than Jontae Cook. A.D. Mitchell, definitively better than Casey Kane. Jordan Whittington, definitively better than DeAndre Moore. What are you supposed to do if it's a tie ball game in the third quarter? I mean, you know, every play matters, right? Y'all, Every, every fan would go, why did we go three and out? You know, if, if something like that happened. And so I feel like um, you have to give Sark uh, credit for knowing his team a little bit. Like, would I have liked to see Jonte Cook see more action? Absolutely. But when? You know, at what expense? Um, And I'm not saying Jonte Cook's not going to be a great player, because I think he's going to be a really, really good football player for Texas. The question is, do you take him out in place of, I don't know, Gunnar Helm and JT Sanders when you're running the ball? Maybe go four wides? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
3: And Bobby, to your point, Mac, did you know you, you mentioned Shipley and Cosby and Collins, but Nate Jones, Billy Pittman, Lima Sweet, those three never came out either. So, right. I mean, it's it's happened a lot for Texas. Yep. Okay, guys, we are going to move on to the next question. Hook 'em Danny says, with Texas losing 13 through the portal and only picking up four, please explain how we are bumping up against the scholarship limit.
2: Uh, oversigning in high school rank. So Texas signed twenty three. It's going to end up being twenty two now with the departure of DeAndre Robinson. Uh, we're told that he will be given his full release, uh, the defense lineman, if he hasn't been given it already, out of Orlando Jones. So that's twenty two. Add four, that's twenty six. You only allowed eighty five total in the fall semester, and so that's that's the way that that's the the number. If you over if you sign a bunch of high school prospects and not enough go in the portal, then it's just basically attrition numbers. Right now, I think Texas is at eighty six or eighty seven. Someone in the chat can probably correct me. I don't even monitor it that heavily right now because I feel pretty strongly there's going to be three to five, six more portal uh, outs at the end of spring ball. Which is that that next one is April fifteenth to April thirtieth. By the way, that window.
3: Okay. Another hot topic of discussion in the chat fellas is the defensive tackle coach. And uh, <laughs> let's just start. There's so many questions. I'm kind to decide which one to pick. We'll do this one from Connor Vaughn. Now that the wild card round is over Rod Wright should be able to officially accept the defensive line job coach. Right. And then we have another, I mean, there's just so many about Rod Wright. Uh, then we have JW Troy who will be our defensive line coach Bobby, are you hearing anything regarding Wright or some of these other names?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've heard a bunch of different names, uh, and I don't have uh, the knowledge that it's definitely Rod Wright at this point. Uh, Rod, Rod is the assistant defensive line coach for the Texans. They're still in the playoffs, as everyone knows. Um, I think that Rod is, is, uh, would be a good pick for the Longhorns. Of course, he's on the 2005 National Championship team. Uh, All-around good guy, coached at UTSA, University of Miami, as well as in the pros. Um, Longhorn grad as well, but there are other guys possible. Um, you know, we we talked about this before. I think Zarnell Fitch out of Texas Tech is a name that's been mentioned more than once to me uh, by people in the know. It, it would it strikes me as strange that if he's the guy that he wouldn't already be in. I think that leads me to believe right now that he's looking in the NFL. That doesn't necessarily mean. By the way, that it is uh, uh, that it is uh, Rod, Rod uh, that it is Rod Wright. It could be someone like Clint Hurt out of Seattle. Uh, Pete Carroll just got fired. Clint Hurt, one of the best recruiters in the game back in the day. So let's let's wait and see where uh, where Steve Sarkeesian goes with this. Instead of saying he's definitely going to go with this direction or that direction, uh, I would be unsurprised if it's Rod Wright. I would also be unsurprised if it's someone else. I, I guess that's the best way I can put it.
3: And then, just Space the City Wrangler wants to know: Have you heard Tracy Rocker's name come up as, at all from Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that has a lot of deep South connections. Played it. Uh, I think he won the Outland at at Auburn back in the day. Uh, was a high draft pick. I um, he is a guy that that uh, would get a lot of play in the deep South, I think, um, and somebody that uh, you know he just they just lost last night. Um, And so, uh, you know, my my take on that is a lot of these pro coaches don't want to go back to college for various reasons. Some of it is recruiting. Some of it is uh, style of what you have to deal with in the locker room. And some of them want to. Rocker has been has been a short timer in the league at this point compared to Clint Hurt. I think Clint Hurt's now spent the last eight or nine years in the league. Rocker's last two or three. If I'm not mistaken, somebody may need to correct me on that. But those kind of guys, uh, that that's a difference in coach. Some coaches, like Dwayne Akeenan, had so many chances to go to the NFL. He never wanted to go. He likes grooming younger players and teaching them the basics of the game. He always felt like that was his strength. Um, you know, you can look at that. Steve Sarkeesian probably would have had a chance to go to the pros if he wanted to this year. I think he likes, like Nick Saban, Nick Saban found out he liked the pro uh, the college game better than the pro game. This, oh. Coaches like different things.
3: Now we'll take two other defensive tackle coach questions. Uh, this first one from Champ Bailey Three. Do we know anyone who's turned down the defensive line coaching job? Have you heard anything about that? Um, I don't know about that. Have you heard anything on that? I've not heard that the job's officially been extended yet,
0: and as a result, I'm not sure that that you know can lead to a, a turn down of the job. That's I, – I, I'm with you, Bobby. I l- tend to lean uh, NFL for this position. It, the timing of it feels all too similar to what we saw with the Chris Jackson hiring uh, and the timeline in which that played out as well. So putting the, the team leads together and also from what I've heard behind the scenes, NFL is where I lean. This search
2: will eventually take us. Well, it's 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 interesting because here's the issue with the NFL coaches. They can actually deny other teams yeah. the right to talk to coaches until they hire a new coach and that that new coach decides whether or not they want to keep the existing staff or the position coaches and that happens a lot more frequently in my opinion uh, in the NFL than it does in college in college it's rare that you keep as many as two coaches off an existing staff when they get they get fired in the pros they may keep two or three almost every time so whoever the guy new guy is in Seattle may keep uh, for instance, may keep um, uh, Clint Hurt. Eric Henderson was the defensive line coach of the Rams. Okay, they lost over the weekend. Today he was, or yesterday he was announced as the defensive line coach at USC. So be be aware of those kind of things. I mean that that it, it's a it's a very nefarious kind of world that you live in when you start talking about pro contracts versus college contracts. The pros have. I don't want to say antitrust or whatever, you know, they have an inside job there a little bit, whereas the colleges are a little bit more open.
3: Although I do wish the collegiate ranks were like the NFL where anytime they interviewed somebody, they announced it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
3: All right, Archmania wants to know, in y'all's opinion, who really is the prize catch at a possible defensive line coach candidate? Who would you pick in a perfect world?
0: I'm all about development. If I know that this guy can come in and, and develop from the NFL ranks or, or from, you know, wherever else having success of putting guys in the league from college, that's where I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. I, I think I, I've been a fan of what Rod Wright has done, you know, this year for the Texans, that defense was significantly more improved than what I thought many people uh, would have expected. So that's something to keep in mind. I, I, I value uh, development over recruiting. I think at, in today's day and age, you will be able to win recruitments based off how you do on the field and obviously what your university brings to the table. There aren't many universities and football programs that can bring what Texas can whenever it is, you know, when it's rolling like this. I think that is exactly, uh, the university will recruit itself. And that's what I think Texas is, uh, at least Sarkeesian is looking at with previous hires is let me go get some big-time developers on the, the, the staff right now and let everything work out as, as a result.
2: I, just to give you a, 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 a snippet of where Rod Wright has been uh, in his time uh, since he left the University of Texas, uh, most recently at the University of Miami before going to the, uni- the, the Houston Texans, before that he worked for Jeff Trailer at UTSA. Uh, Jeff Trailer is said to speak very, very highly of him. Uh, there, before that, he was in East Carolina uh, and spent the year there. Uh, was also at Sam Houston State for four years, uh, so he knows the long or that knows the the, tech, the state of Texas uh, very very well. So I think thirteen years overall in college coaching. Uh, I will be interested to see whether or not this is something that ends up happening for Texas.
3: There you go. Put it up there on the screen. <laughs> A good blend of collegiate and pro experience, no doubt about that. Okay, guys, well, we've talked about defensive tackle coaching. Let's talk about defensive tackle recruiting because we do have a uh, a lot of questions on that. Tucker Foster with the Super Chat. Thank you, Tucker. He says, is Texas still going after defensive tackle Alex Foster?
0: Well, that's obviously up in limbo right now until the defensive line coach is found. I know. Uh, a large reason for Texas being in consideration from a number of these defensive linemen to begin with was because of Bo Davis being on staff. Uh, we've obviously obviously uh, talked about DeAndre Robinson asking for his release from his NLI. Uh, there were question marks about whether or not Alex January would be on campus uh, to begin the early enrollment as well. He did make it to campus. I think it is on pause right now with Alex Foster. I think he is uh, firm in his commitment to Baylor at the moment. And like many are just waiting to see what happens with Texas at the defensive line coach.
3: And then King me wants to know, do we revisit uh, McKinley with Robinson on the fence? He's committed to LSU right now. Uh,
2: He did that on, I think new year's day or uh, new year's Eve. Um, And that was the one place we thought he was never going to go. Uh, but ended up staying home after all. Uh, I think that uh, A&M's, he, he really liked a the most. And because of Elijah Robinson, the former AM defensive line coach, now is the defensive line coach and defensive coordinator at Syracuse. Um, after that happened, I don't think he had a favorite. And so he just decided to stay home. That's, that's really where I get what the vibes that I got from that. So I don't know that even revisiting Dominic McKinley at this point is going to be that possible. Um, I would say this, Texas is going to be looking in the portal. Um, there, there are not many guys out there right now that Texas uh, is, I don't know I don't of a single one that has been greenlit uh, from a defensive line perspective, like an upfront interior guy. Uh, but uh, that April 13, April 15th to April 30th, I think if some people get in the, the portal then, Texas might be not just interested in one, but two at this point.
3: And while we're on the subject of defensive tackles, we're going to take this question from Matthew. And he says, are we going to have to rely on Sadir Mitchell to make a jump? Broughton and Collins can do it all on their own. I think he means can't do it all on their own.
0: Yeah, everybody in that room is going to have to take a jump forward. I mean, we talked about that defensive line, interior defensive line being the strength of the Texas defense this year. You lose a lot, a lot of production, a lot of experience, a lot of talent. Texas needs that entire room to take a step forward. Sadir Mitchell is one of them. You got to get your body right. You got to reshape it. Uh, get, you know, completely acclimated to the speed of the college game as well as getting your conditioning well uh, or right as well. So uh Sadir Mitchell, you know, up there as one A, one B in terms of guys that need to take the step up uh, in that defensive line room right now. I put Aaron Bryant in that conversation as well, because like you said, it, Alfred Collins and uh, Vernon Broughton cannot do it all on their own. They're going to need that rotation. And we saw that rotation even with guys like Sweat and Murphy who are, you know, all American caliber guys uh, in the interior. So, so Sadir Mitchell this spring and winter conditioning is huge for him.
3: Well, CJ, you talked about needing to step up, and that leads me to the next question from Space City Wrangler. I know you mentioned a couple of these defensive tackle guys, but he says, we're going to need more room. What guys have to have a big spring? So besides defensive tackle, what are some of the other positions, other players that you guys really think need to take that big leap, that next step to impact this team next season? It's a great question. I,
0: I, it is. The, the position that comes to mind for me is linebacker. I know Anthony Hill showed some spurts of, you know, what you expect from him out of a five-star guy. He needs to continue to improve on uh, run. Uh, what is it? Uh, reading the runs, not overrunning, uh, run blocking holes, uh, fitting where he needs to fit. And then obviously Leonga Lafau. How does he fit into this defense? Can he take the step forward replacing Jalen Ford and what he brought to this defense is not an easy task. That's going to be something that Texas is going to feel an absence about in 2024 with no Jalen Ford and what he brought to the table. Can either of them really be that new voice of the defense? Can Leon Glafell win that position outright? Will David Benda continue to take leaps forward that we saw in this past season as well? I'm really eager to see just who, you know, takes that next step because that middle linebacker,
2: middle of the field uh, spot in the defense is very important. I I think that there's a number of guys – Tap is certainly one. Uh, look, guys, like uh, you know these young guys like Samaje Burrell, You know he's got it. He it's you know he's behind uh, Leonga Lafal right now, and Ty Anthony Smith now is coming. So uh, put him down there. I mean, you mentioned Jalen Gilbo and Austin Jordan. Where do they fit in this uh, mix right now? Um, then you look in. Uh, I mean, uh, Savion Red. What about him? What 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 role does he have? on this team. Um, Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore, you know, they need to step up. Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of guys in my opinion uh, that have to step up, step up and our start, their clocks are ticking to, to to use a better term. And so we all know that and they know that and the coaches know that. So we got to wait and see what happens, but there's just a number of guys that are they, are they going to, is the, is the rose going to bloom or is it going to stay closed? Right. And that's kind of where those freshmen and sophomore, they should start making those those uh, those changes in the spring. Uh, we'll know more by the end of spring spring ball. By the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this spring ball starts. All right. Excuse me. The spring game is all is uh, April 20th. Everybody, I know that we mentioned that last week, uh, but if you if you want to be up in Austin uh, for any time this spring, make sure you circle. Uh, April 20th for the spring game. I i bet there's 40, 50,000 people there this year.
0: Yeah, I bet it's a packed house.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and Buzz Roy wants to know when does conditioning actually start for the spring?
0: What is it? The today's Tuesday classes start back up today. Uh, they should be getting going this week. I heard actually, uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement from the incoming freshmen to get going and and ready to see what it's like to be in college, you know, for this Texas program, I said, I, I'm i not, you know, not necessarily sure you should be all too excited coming off of this winter break and, and making that jump. But hey, uh, if you're able to, you know, good luck to you, because that's going to be a, a fun task, a fun time in your life for, for these uh, incoming early enrollees. But this week is, is when things will get going, Texas is obviously excited for the junior day, but on the field as well. Uh, the winter conditioning starts going with the, the strength and conditioning staff.
3: All right, we are gonna move on here. And uh, while we're talking about spring ball and changes and everything, Phil says, Off topic question: Any idea when they're gonna start seeing the SEC on the <laughs> we see that logo in the spring?
2: Woo, I wonder. I'm hopeful. I'm ready for yeah. it. When are they gonna replace the flags? Going across the, the uh east side of the or the yeah, the east side of the stadium. Well, they already had them
0: as a – they they changed them mid year to the Texas flags. They took yep. off all the Big Twelve schools, so <laughs> that was fun to watch. A little petty yep. uh backgatch a bit from the Big Twelve.
3: <laughs> All right, well, while we're on the subject of the SDC, Ski Breck says the SDC is going to run all over us next year and maybe the year after. Our defensive line room is the weakest on the team with the least amount of prospects. y'all see that happening? I would say that um,
2: Bo Davis did not leave a plethora of prospects that are ready to go behind. Um, And so, yes, I I see that's – I would say that that is the weakest area on the team at this point. Uh, anybody, CJ, any anything you think is weaker at this point? It's
0: the biggest question mark right now. I think that's certainly uh, something that we can all agree on. But like you said, Bobby, we'll see just what this unit looks like compared to what it is now from when we go into the season and who else is added to that group or who else makes a step up. You know, who, you know, Someone might light the spring ball on fire. You, you just don't know until you see it.
3: Okay, guys, this next question here uh, is going to be from the Green Lantern. And he says, we've heard about how well we pressured the quarterback the last two seasons. Yet I feel we won't be an elite defense until we start putting quarterbacks on their back, especially in the SEC. What do you think?
0: Well, it's certainly something that Texas is going to have to improve on and become significantly better at bringing the quarterback down or even running backs behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, it's great when you can stop the run, but at the same time, you know, two yards, three yards per carry add up. You know, that's something that Texas, uh, I thought, did a great job of this year, especially in the run game. I think they were top fifteen, top twenty in the country in terms of the run defense. Uh, they were top three in yards per game, I think, in run defense as well. So that's great. But if you can create negative plays, that's even better. If you can put defenses or offenses behind the sticks and force them to become a one-dimensional throwing, uh, throwing the t- uh, throwing the ball, that then you start seeing interceptions start to build up as a result. So it's a twofold part there. If Texas is able to get guys on the field uh, on the grass uh, at quarterback, it's only going to help the defense as a whole. Um, I think Texas will be better this year. Uh, coming up in 2024 than what we saw this past season in terms of getting guys on the ground, because you get Baron Sorrell, you get Ethan Burke returning and obviously the addition of Colin Simmons and Trey Moore who had 22 sacks over the last two years, that is going to help this unit a lot. I'm looking at the edge position right now, like it could be a strength. I don't think it is yet. I want to see these guys on the field, but it certainly has the pieces and the depth where it can be a strength on, on this defense as a result of, you know continuing to keep bodies fresh rotating in and out and obviously seeing production maintain a, a very high level
2: look they had 32 sacks this year um i think it was 27 the year before so they imp- improved the sack rate but look we want to be in the high 30s uh to your point uh that's that's a dominating defensive front in the past game i don't know uh if texas is going to get that I, I mean we'll see um my 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 take on it is um. look Ethan Burke was a year too young to be a dominating pass rusher okay Baron Sorrell that is not his strength he is a strong side defensive end the addition of Trey Moore is really interesting to me the addition of Colin Simmons becomes really interesting is Colin Simmons ready to go you add those two you might get the quarterback on the ground more often coming off the
3: edge than what we did this year well, one guy that they may be looking to add a little juice to that is uh, Trey Moore. And Juju Juice wants to know could they move Trey Moore back to or move Trey Moore to linebacker? But also, what kind of, and CJ, I know you and I kind of talked about this in the portal video yesterday, but Bobby, interested to get your take as well. What kind of impact do you see him having going into the SEC next season?
2: Well, I, I, you know, I, I like it, Trey, Trey Moore as a player because he's a producer. And what I mean by that is some guys don't necessarily have, like he's not the longest arm guy out there. You're not going to see a physical freak of nature when you look at Trey Moore, but he produces at a high, high level. Um, and he makes off schedule plays. So I, I feel like you're going to find a guy that makes some off schedule plays for you. I don't know if he's going to be the missing piece right now. I'm more, I, again, to, to echo some sentiments earlier, I am more concerned uh, about the interior than I am Trey Moore. I do think he'll have seven, eight sacks, most likely, something like that. It'll be down. Uh, I don't know that he can move to linebacker like an official linebacker role. Uh, when I was when I was uh, talking to him, uh, not to him, but uh, to his uh, marketing rep, uh, they were being told that he was going to play Buck, which is the boundary defensive end. That's the same position that, uh, uh, that uh, Ethan Burke played this year. So that means Justice Finkley likely moves uh, to the Jack full time. Then we see what happens with Colin Simmons, Jamon, Tapp, those guys. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's a, a need to to
0: take him away from what he does best. And that's getting after the quarterback. Not only did you see the 22 sacks over the last two years, but his eight batted balls up the line of scrimmage. Tells me he's a natural rusher of the passer. He understands when he's not going to get to the quarterback. He understands when the quarterback's looking his direction and can alter uh, the passing throw lanes uh, that you know are, are seemingly coming right over his head. I think you take away what he does best, you negate his addition to the to the defense in its entirety uh, as a result. So keep him on the line, keep him rushing after the passer, and keep him near the ball because that's where he is his most impactful. Three force fumbles as well. He's a guy that just makes an impact. I like that. You know, keep him on the edge. All
3: right, y'all mentioned uh, a second ago. Isaac Darden says, when does Vosik turn it on? It
0: would be big if it was this spring, wouldn't it?
2: <laughs> but that I, mean, I, was, I had very high hopes for Colton Vosik.
0: Yeah, yeah, got to get healthy 100%. Uh, but this spring would be great for him. I know that adding weight, getting his body right was the number one Uh, point of emphasis with him, obviously getting healthy probably supersedes that, but uh, if he can get his body physically ready to roll for the SEC, he should be able to run into 2024 towards the end of it, or even 2025 uh, hitting the ground completely running. And that should be big for the Texas defense. And as we look, you know, way down the line.
3: Let me ask you guys this real quick before we move on. If, he stays healthy. And that's obviously a, a big if heading into the season. But if he's healthy, you know, ready to go, what would you consider a very successful season for Bossick?
2: Rotation. Get in the rotation. You know, take over for Justice Finkley, maybe. Be yep. as good as Justice Finkley, if not better. Yep. That would be the that would be that category for me. Will he do that? I'm not predicting that. I, I you know, I think he has to get stronger. I think he has to get healthy.
3: Okay, guys, we're going to move back on. We got a lot of people that have joined us since the beginning of the show, so let's go over that uh, and let's start with the portal. Can you give us the latest on the portal news? Yeah, let's
2: let's just talk talk about it. Uh, the three kids that visited this weekend. One of them, Isaiah Bond, the transfer from uh, Alabama, has already committed to Texas. He's expected to enroll. Uh, Texas now has four portal commitments. Uh, They also visited with two others this weekend, Silas Bolden out of Oregon State. Uh, Right now, Bolden does not have to make an immediate decision. Uh, He is not a mid-year transfer. He's going to be a grad transfer from Oregon State. So that's number one. Number two is Kendrick Blackshire. Uh, He is a linebacker out of Alabama. Uh, Texas is the favorite there. The question I have is whether or not Texas is going to push for that commitment. He would be a downhill linebacker. That would be an older guy in the room for them. Also has Duncanville ties, which is very important to the University of Texas as well. Uh, then you you look at the other guys on the board right now. Ben Urasik is a tight end out of Stanford uh, that visited Georgia this past weekend, is expected to visit Texas in the coming weeks. Texas is very interested. Um, so this was this is a guy that would be offered a scholarship. Uh, that is that is one of the guys that they are targeting. Another guy that is a potential target is Amari Nyblack at tight end. He is the tight end. From the University of Alabama, his issue, of course, is he said he was going into the portal. But as of 815 this morning, when we went on air or 810 this morning, he had not his name had not officially appeared in the portal. So Texas couldn't make official contact. So until that happens, we're, we're left in the wind a little bit. And so is Texas. We'll see if that indeed happens. I will say Alabama has 48 hours to enter a player's name into the portal if he submits his paperwork. We haven't heard more from Nye Black in that regard. So he could have changed his mind, and we just don't know it yet. All right, that's that's the tight end position. Uh, also, Texas continues to look at, at other players in the portal, uh, particularly along the defensive line. As of right now, I don't know any defensive lineman in the portal that has been greenlit by the Texas staff. So uh, that that should – oh, Jabbar Muhammad. I wanted to mention him as well, the defensive back at the University of Washington. Uh, it sounds like it's coming down to Oregon and Texas. Perhaps in that order right now. Of course, Texas is expected to host him on an official visit later this week, uh, weather permitting uh, tomorrow. So we'll see how that turns. But Oregon, Texas, the two uh, finalists, we believe, for Jabbar Muhammad, the cornerback.
3: I want to go back to tight end for a second. He only Frioli 93 says, which tight end would best fit Sark's scheme? He personally feels like it would be nigh Black, but what's y'all's opinion?
0: I lean Nye Black as well. I like I think Sarkeesian tends to find mismatches at the tight end position and 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 really looks to implement that into his offense. I have the numbers here. Uh Nye Black actually was out wide more than twice as much as what we saw uh Jatavian Sanders, which is a little bit, you know, of a, a contradictory statement there. About 50% of his snaps almost came as a slot, you know, uh, uh in in the slot position. Um 16 and a half yards per dis uh Yards per target, that was a little bit more than Jatavian Sanders as well. But when you consider what Sarkeesian is accumulating right now on the offensive side of the ball in terms of speed being the number one factor, Nyblak fits that role a little bit more than what Eurisets brings. Uh, I I think that's worth noting. I I lean Nyblak in the sense of being able to stretch the field vertically and still providing enough inline blocking where it's not a complete mismatch you can get away with that. We saw Texas do that with Jatavian Sanders over the last two years as well. So uh, Nyblak's kind of that guy for me.
3: Bobby?
2: I think they're both, they both fit. I think they're different, different players. Uh, To your point, I don't think Jurisic lines up out wide very often, right? I think he's more in line, not that he can't be in the slot, but he's definitely not an out wide guy. Um, And so I, I don't, Yes, it has to be. I think it will be an either or because I don't see both of them going to the same school. But um, I will say this. uh, With what Texas is recruiting right now at wide receiver, CJ, I lean to Nye Black um, because of the explosiveness. Yep. Um, You mentioned Isaiah Bond, Jonte Cook, uh, guys like Matthew Golden. We talked about this. These are guys that are low 4-4s. Dante Cook may be a 445 guy, right? Ryan Wingo, low 4'4s, maybe high four threes. You know, what what do you what do you take from that? You know, and so by adding a, a guy like at tight end that can stretch it even further, are you really, and then you add Jaden Blue, who we all know has some special speed. Is is Sark in the in the midst of changing what he does on offense? And if he is, maybe Nye Black is a better fit. That's my, my thought on that.
3: Casey says, Eurosec's production in a bad offense with bad quarterback play is pretty good. Eurosec is a more complete tight end. If we want to use Juan Davis as the split tight end, then Eurosec opens the run blocking game even more. I don't Over- disagree with that. There's a much better blocker than Nye Black at this point.
2: More complete tight end. Also older. Yep. played in a pro-style offense at uh, Stanford. Nye Black, Nye Black was, you know, used, you know, at, out wide as a tight end. I, I feel like uh, you're right, Casey. I mean, there's that's the point is we could argue about it, but I I think that, one, it's who you can get. Like, I, I think both of them are greenlit, if that makes sense to you guys. Like, yes, we want you. The question now is which way do they go with it, you know, and what comes to them? I mean, Nye Black's not even in the portal officially as of 8-10 this morning. He said he's going in. But, you you know, you and I both, I mean, Juan Davis said he was going in. Yeah, Aiden Blue six months ago thought he was going in, you know. So we all are 12 months ago. So we all have to wait and see if that actually that, that actually follows through.
3: For sure. Okay, guys, we have another uh, super chat here. And this one, uh, we're going to go over to portal and defensive side. Kabir Hussain says, since we're going for Muhammad, do we also go for Dez Ricks? Matt, I don't think
2: so. And I'll tell you why. I think they're being very specific in the portal for late ads. I don't think they're going for high school slash one year out of high school guys right now. When they bring somebody in, they want to make sure they're an immediate Uh, piece of the puzzle they don't want anything that upsets the culture of the team and having those guys come in and maybe not be in the rotation could upset the culture they don't know that guy they haven't recruited him before it'd be one thing if texas had recruited him the whole way through uh they haven't done
3: that Uh, oh we've talked about potential future players let's talk about current players for a minute football junkie says from a national view hill jr had a great year upside for this kid is tremendous he will be one of the top guys at his positions this upcoming season
0: that would be big that would be really big for texas if he is able to make that jump uh, again i think the next step for anthony hill is being more of a, a a fit in the running game there were times where he ran past holes he cut back too early whatever it might be that's the next step for anthony hill because you know how impactful he can be after getting after the passer and also i thought he. Made strides uh, in the passing game as well. There's still, obviously, some growing pains there. Young linebackers tend to get picked on a little bit. But that's the next step for Anthony Hill. F- my favorite thing about Anthony Hill is every single tackle feels like it's a WWE slam. Uh, he's putting guys in the dirt you know, a- as hard and as often as anybody I've ever seen as a true freshman. So one of the more impressive things that I- I've ever watched from, from him is, is in the sense that when he gets his hands on a guy, that guy's, you know, wake or getting up from the ground thinking, oh, what just hit me? So uh I, I'm excited for what he can bring in year
2: two. Big fan of guys that make off-schedule plays. Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked about it until the cows come home. Uh guys that make off-schedule plays in, in college football are worth their weight in gold. Um, they make you know plays that you don't expect people to make. And Uh, That is what separates the great players from the good ones. Um, And I think he has a chance to be a great player. To CJ's point, I don't think he's a great player yet. Run fits, dropping into coverage, you know, leadership, uh, knowing the defense backwards and forwards. He can get there. He's shown that he can get there. He just has to make that step. Uh, But he is a off schedule player if there is one. Uh, in my opinion, he's the most talented guy, maybe outside of Kelvin Banks on the ro- on the roster. From that standpoint.
3: Well, I asked y'all this about Colton Vossick, but what about Anthony Hill? What would you consider him to have a successful season next year? Like, I mean, obviously he had a, a phenomenal freshman season, but what would you look at and say, man, what what an amazing season for Hill?
2: Step up and be the team leader in tackles. How about that? Yeah. I don't I think he's going
0: to be a guy that that's off the field very often, if at all. So if you're going to play that linebacker position, you better be involved a whole lot. And I,
2: I like that that pick, Bobby. Yeah. I mean, look, they're losing 90 tackles from Jalen Ford and 119 the year before. So that's a lot just like that's a lot of receptions on offense from those three wideouts, uh, and JT Sanders and Jonathan Brooks. Uh it's a lot of it's a lot uh on defense replacing uh
3: Jalen Ford. You need a new leader on defense. And Zane Petty wants to know any possibility of Anthony Hill moving to Mike linebacker.
2: I think there's some possibility there. Um, I, I also think there's a possibility PK over the off season, starts tweaking the defense a little bit more based on what he has available to him. He has a history of doing this. Um, they have been interior uh, heavy since he came to Texas, actually. Um, and they haven't been able to do much uh, tweaking uh, because of that. Um, so
3: more three-man fronts, potentially, etc. cetera. I think you could see a lot of that. AJJ Sports wants to know, who do you think will lead the team in sacks next season?
0: I think it will be Trey Moore. He just finds ways to get after the ball. He finds a way to get – Uh, To be impactful in the backfield, that's what he's done his entire career. Uh, I I would actually—I don't—I don't don't have the numbers right in front of me, but 22 sacks. I would think that's more than what the returning edges have combined in their career Um, right now. I I, actually—I like uh, Ethan Burke to be number two. I I think what you you teach—you can't—he has what you can't teach, and that's length and size with good flexibility off the edge. I'm very optimistic about what he can bring uh, next year. As a result of that, you know he has that athletic background from playing lacrosse, from you know uh, being able to bend and turn and, and 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 contort his body, which is six seven. You know he's every bit of six seven with great arm length. Uh, that is something that you can't teach. I'm excited for what he can bring, but right now, Eileen Trey Moore, and then Ethan Burke right after that.
3: Okay, guys, we got one more super chat uh, to do before we get out of here. This one from Clifton Hines. He says, what's y'all's prediction for the offensive line starting lineup? Majors back with Hudson, Neto itching the start. Is Connor's job at Jeopardy? What y'all got? What's your pick? And thanks, Clifton.
2: Yeah, thank you, Clifton. Uh, look, I, I think I went over this the, yesterday, the day before. Um, the ones that you can pencil in, in my opinion, are Kelvin Banks at left tackle, Jake Majors at center. And I think that at right guard, you have DJ Campbell, but hear me out on this. Um, I think you could see, and this is just one permutation. I think you could see uh, the right guard, DJ Campbell, moving to left guard and being next to Banks and Majors because Banks has two years of starter ability. Campbell has shown some issues in pass pro you line them up between those two guys, you get a more seasoned group. And then the left guard, what we think is going to be the the battle at left guard, which is Neto and Miozulo to your point, as well as Cole Hudson uh, becomes the, the actual fight at right guard. And then at right tackle, you have the fight between Cam Williams and Hayden Connor. Now, if Cam Williams unquestionably wins that role, I think then you're starting to look at potentially, uh, potentially uh, having uh, uh, having uh, Cam Williams and Hayden Connor go back to left guard. I like that a lot. I, I think splitting up DJ
0: Campbell and Cam Williams is something worth m- monitoring. Maybe tossing out that idea. A lot, you know, and seeing if it works during the spring, simply for the sake that I think that will be a spot where de- opposing DCs will will look to next year and say, you know what, they had success going against DJ Camel and pass protection uh, last year. Let's do it again with a, a first time starting right tackle. So I, I think that's, you know, something that should be toyed with just a little bit.
3: Okay, y'all. Well, Before we get out of here, I do want to mention, don't forget Junior Day is this upcoming Saturday on the 20th. I know we had a question about Ryan Williams' official visit. That's actually the next weekend. So I'll go ahead and answer that one. Um, And then lots of portal news going on. Obviously, anything could happen at any time. So there's never a better time than now to subscribe and ring that bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted or when we go live like we do for breaking news. So Got to like it, got to subscribe it, got to ring that bell. And Bobby, can you tell folks what they can expect later today right here on On Texas Football?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a couple of things going on. We've got the, the recruiting breakdown. CJ and I are going to not only talk portal recruiting and what the latest news is, if anything breaks here in the next hour or so, uh, but we're also going to be talking about the January 20 Junior Day, with the list of guys we've got coming in. That should be very interesting. And then tonight, Rod Babers is back with the live stream Uh, C.J. uh, and Aaron Hogan will be alongside talking Longhorn football. Any news, whether that's coaching news, uh, the line coach could come out as soon as today, we think. Uh, We're going to be monitoring
3: that uh, as well as all the other stuff related to the Longhorns. There you go. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. We definitely appreciate that. We'll be back same place, same time tomorrow morning. And so for Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then. the ones who get it done.